Chapter Four of Saint Rose of Lima, The Flower of the New World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellen O'Neill. Saint Rose of Lima, The Flower of the New World by Florence Mary Capes. Chapter Four. Her Victory Over Vanity. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. The woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Proverbs 31, verse 30 And the king shall greatly desire thy beauty, for he is the Lord thy God, and him shalt thou adore. All the glory of the king's daughter is within. Psalm 44, verses 12 and 14 As Rose grew from childhood into early girlhood, there grew with her a daily keener longing to be bound entirely to her God. She had said nothing to her mother of the vow made in her childish days, but the strength of her determination to keep it had only increased with her years, and as she became old enough to feel that her parents would be thinking about a husband for her, she shrank more and more from everything that could tend to make her specially attractive to others, or draw her openly into society. Many incidents are mentioned by the saint's biographers concerning this early period of her womanhood, which show that she had to go through that painful contest with her mother, which seems to be so often the lot of women early called peculiar sanctity, especially in southern countries. St. Rose has been compared in this respect, as in others already mentioned, to her model St. Catherine of Siena, whose mother, Lapa, for a long time offered strong opposition to her daughter's call to devote herself to God, using even bodily violence sometimes in support of her own views. Marie de Flores, despite the fact that by birth and position she was in a rank of life where ungentle treatment was more to be wondered at than in the case of Lapa Benincasa, seems nevertheless to have subjected Rose, when she was growing into a woman, to almost as undignified treatment as that she had bestowed upon her when a child, in her anger at finding the girl opposed to her will. It is as difficult to arrive at exact dates in connection with this point as with others in St. Rose's life but it was probably when she was about fifteen or sixteen years old that the difficulties began. They arose when her mother considered her old enough to begin going out with her. Paying visits, apparently equivalent to our own afternoon calls, seems to have been a most frequent amusement among the South American ladies of that period, and it is clear that Marie de Flores was especially addicted to it, and that when she saw her daughter beginning to develop the great beauty and charm of which mention has been made before, she was naturally anxious to introduce her amongst her friends, and to see her make a favourable impression. The first contest between mother and child was on the subject of dress and cosmetics. As regards the last point, Rose seems to have gained her way without very much painful discussion, by gently persuading her mother to see the inconsistency of such things with real Christian modesty. But with regard to the question of dress there was a longer struggle. On this subject Rose evidently had a strong conviction, apart from the motive of her vow and her consequent desire not to attract attention that a sacrifice of even the smallest indulgence in the pleasures of dress was specially required of her. Therefore, when her mother began giving her smart clothes and the various personal decorations commonly in use for girls just old enough to go into society, the young saint, unable at once to avoid appearing in them without rousing her parents' anger too far, determined at least to counteract any girlish satisfaction she might be tempted to feel from such things, by calling into play her marvellous capacity for secret suffering, and turning the ornaments into instruments of torture. We read of her fastening a wreath to her head with a large needle driven deeply into the flesh, and for some time she never put on a smart dress or complied in any way with customs that savoured of vanity and appearance, without punishing herself in some severe way, as if she had been guilty of a fault. 
once almighty god himself interfered miraculously with the course of things in connection with this point of attention to bodily adornment just as he had done before when his will about her food was in question she had put on a pair of scented gloves which her mother had wished her to wear and had apparently either done so with less unwillingness than was usual with her in such cases or had at least omitted to do any corresponding act of penance our lord therefore took the punishment into his own hands and caused the gloves first to benumb and then to burn her flesh with such intensity that she had to tear them off the night after this happened she had a vision of the gloves she had worn surrounded by flames this occurrence was taken by the holy girl as a direct intimation that her instinct against indulging in the slightest personal vanity came from god and not from self and so long as her mother compelled her to appear fashionably dressed she was never again weak enough to refrain from secretly punishing the body that was so attired at last finding that her outward compliance in dressing after her mother's taste led which it was of course intended to do to the spending of more and more time in idle visiting and what was still worse from her own point of view to the greater frequenting of actual public assemblies rose determined to try what a more open experiment might effect in obtaining her freedom to follow her inward call she knew very well as we have seen that she had begun to do even as a mere child how much pride in her daughter's beauty of face had to do with the mother's pleasure in her so one day she got some burning indian pepper called pimento with which she actually had the courage to rub her eyelids till they were all swollen and the beautiful eyes which formed one of her great charms were as red as fire and as burning as she wished that it should do such an act brought on her first a sharp reproof and then a remonstrance for folly in endangering eyesight from her angry mother who instanced some acquaintance of theirs as having lost his eyesight from the use of pimento here was the opportunity that rose sought she boldly told her mother that she would rather be blind than use her eyes for seeing the follies and vanities of the world this uncompromising declaration following on such heroically inflicted suffering seems to have put the finishing stroke to marie de flora's opposition in the matter of dress and she gave her daughter leave to wear what she liked a permission which was immediately carried out by the adoption of a severely plain costume of coarse stuff then frequently worn by older women who are openly devoted to the service of god but there was a yet severer contest to come before the saintly maiden could be really at peace try as she would both to keep hidden from society and to lessen her attractiveness with ugly dressing and personal disfigurement which she did by extreme fasting in trying to destroy her beauty in various ways besides the special one just mentioned rose was still sought after by several of her mother's friends as a wife for their sons since it is evident from all accounts of her life that she cannot have had a penny to take as a bridal dowry to any husband it is much to the credit of her friends that they should have been so anxious to receive her into their families for the desire must have been prompted by pure admiration for her personal charms and virtues for some little time the saint seems to have contrived to keep out of the way of the aspirants to her hand without the necessity of a positive refusal but at last a proposal of marriage made for her was considered by her parents to be so advantageous that they distinctly wished her to accept it this offer came from a lady of lima who earnestly desired rose for her daughter-in-law her name is not given but she is said to have been a most distinguished person and apparently was also wealthy the de flores family being such a very large and poor one it was only natural that the father and mother should be glad of an opportunity of providing so well for one of the children and they put the matter before rose in the way that would be hardest for her to resist as a duty towards them and her brothers and sisters this offer brought matters to a climax and compelled her to speak out her reason for refusing it and for declining all thoughts of marriage she acknowledged the early vow which she had hitherto kept as a secret within her own breast and told her parents that since she had arrived at an age to judge better for herself than when she was a child and had seen more of the world her determination to keep it was stronger than ever she would have no bridegroom but christ and it was useless for any one to try to shake her resolution 
then it was that the full violence of marie de flores temper broke forth much as she had been vexed at her young daughter's apparently inexplicable dislike to fine clothes and to society and exaggerated as she may have thought her dread of admiration and fear of vanity she had evidently never suspected that rose really intended to give up the world altogether and lead a single life and she quite lost self-control on hearing the announcement of her firm resolve at first indeed both she and her husband appeared not to have believed their gentle child to be in earnest in refusing to bow to their wishes for they tried hard to coax and persuade her to give way but when they saw that she really meant it they took to threatening her with their anger and finding her unmoved by this father and mother alike are said to have ill-used the poor girl in every way to have insulted her in words and finally proceeded to blows hoping that such treatment would in the end effect what they desired while the taunts of her brothers and sisters and what they were persuaded to think her hard-heartedness in refusing to help the family were added to the parents reproaches it is hardly necessary to say that they were disappointed with her warmly affectionate nature and just at that most delicately sensitive age of early womanhood we cannot doubt that the girl saint suffered even more keenly than she had done as a child under her mother's displeasure from this harsh usage by both parents but not for an instant was she tempted to take back the gift she had made to god of her pure heart indeed we may well believe that however the great the pain she may have felt on the human side her higher nature must have rejoiced more than it had ever yet done that she was able to suffer something from others for the sake of her beloved spouse nothing definite is said in st rose's biographies about the length of time that this persecution lasted and that she was kept in disgrace by her parents but it was at any rate final when they found that absolutely nothing shook her resolution they not only ceased trying to get their way in this particular instance but seemed to have made up their minds that in opposing their daughter's call they must be opposing god himself for they withdrew henceforth all prohibitions and restraints as to her actions and mode of life and left her to pursue her own course in peace End of chapter four. Recording by Eleanor O'Neill from Cambridge, England.